Welcome to Open Door Policy. All are welcome here. We're here to listen to testimonies from all over Southeast Michigan to hear our sisters and brothers share their faith journey. Open Door Policy means letting people walk into our lives and tell us their experience of God, what led them to Him, and how their life was changed. Tune in every other week for a new episode of Open Door Policy. I'm your host, Emily Mentock. I'm Father Patrick Agno. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're excited to welcome Ricardo Hernandez to the Open Door Policy virtual studio. Uh, Ricardo, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about what your life as a joyful missionary disciple looks like these days? So right now, I'm just uh, working from home uh, and also every now and then work at my office at Community Health and Social Services and just doing what I can in the Hispanic community in Southwest Detroit. Awesome. It's so so great to to hear from you, and we're so grateful that you were able to join us today. Um, what What is the parish that you belong to? So right now, I actually am at the Basilica of St. Anne. Awesome. And are you, are you involved in any ministries there? Yeah, so uh, I've been involved in quite a couple of things, but mainly in uh, one group that's for young adults called Jornadas. And I've been there since uh, about 2016. And I'm also involved in one of the more recent youth groups called Corazón Puro. Ricardo, we have a mutual friend and uh, one of my best friends, Father Ryan Adams. He's told me about you, and I'm pumped you're on the show, brother. Hey, <laughs> Shout he, out to uh, Father Ryan. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. And he told us uh, about your awesome podcast, ca- ca- podcast Cafe Con Santos podcast. Hey, I got to yes. ask you, what has been one of the most powerful es- episodes that you've had? Like, you know, not who's been one of the, like, the, the guests that came on in a powerful episode you've had? I think personally, I think it was with with one of my friends, Alejandra, where we talked about uh, Saint Joan of Arc. Um, I, I think it was it was just uh, it's so much. I don't want to say better, but easier when you interview personal friends because like you get to share like that like connection with them and and just be be uh, vulnerable. And then also recent, uh, the most recent one that we had was with Antonio um, from the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, and we talked about uh, Blessed Carlo Acutis and we just talked about the Eucharist. And I really feel like that was a, a very cool one as well. Uh, we're excited to hear more of your story because what I've heard, Ricardo, you're this young, on-fire disciple doing great things in, in young adult uh, ministry in Southwest Detroit. So we're, we're thrilled you're here, brother. For sure. We'd love to introduce you to the audience a little bit more, Ricardo, with just some icebreaker questions to help them get to know you. So one of my first questions for you is, who is your confirmation saint? You know, (laughs) this is a little embarrassing, but I actually don't have one. So when I was I don't have one either. Oh, my gosh. I was baptized and then I was confirmed. But this process, I think, happened in when I went to Mexico. So I never actually got a chance to have a a saint. (laughs) Never too late to pick one. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm on the I'm on the mission to find one. <laughs> That's awesome. I know when you get confirmed, if you don't have a, a saint to be uh, presented with as your confirmation saint, they just present you as yourself. So you were just presented as Ricardo, which is pretty cool. Mm. Right on. Hey, what's your favorite? What's your favorite book, Ricardo? So uh, I really enjoyed uh, reading theology of the body 101 wow. who was it was it christopher west i believe yeah um yeah it was just such an awesome book to read 
That's awesome. And thanks so much for sharing those little tidbits of information to help us get to know you more. I think that it's really clear that you are living your life as a joyful missionary disciple really authentically here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. So we'd actually love to hear more about your story, um, kind of how you um, came to know and build a relationship with Christ, and then hopefully a little bit of hearing about how you witness to Christ in your in your life and in your work now. Um, so could you start by telling us what was your life like before um, encountering Christ? Did Were you um, a credo Catholic? Did you have a conversion experience um, either like in your childhood or young adulthood? But what was your life like before that moment? Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, I've had different stages in my life. So I was born and raised in Southwest Detroit. Uh, my parents come from a small town called Maravatio del Encinal in the state of Guanajuato in Mexico. Um, and so just growing up, I always had that that experience of going to church on Sundays. Uh, but I never really considered myself to have like much faith, at least, you know, back then. Um, but I was uh, a altars boy growing up, which was interesting. But as I began um, getting older, around high school, I kind of just distanced myself from the faith. Uh, I cared more about sports and about school, stuff like that. And then once I hit, you know, went to college, uh, just completely separated separated myself from God. Um, Back then, I considered myself uh, agnostic. I, I knew, or at least I believed that there was a God, but I never really believed in, in Christ. And I think that a lot of it was just uh, bad, bad catechism, or I, I never really had, you know, someone that, that was living out their, fi- their faith that really, really modeled that for me. And so before coming to Christ, I just, I, I lived, you know, that, that whole uh, college party experience where, you know, uh, pretty much wanted to be in all the parties, be, be in all the, you know, the quote-unquote fun places. And at the time, you know, I was a first-generation college student. Um, I was hoping to get into engineering uh, just because, you know, uh, it, it seemed like a, a good position and a good place or a job opportunity that would pay some decent money. But I never was really, like, prepared to to study uh, for those, you know, those uh, engineering classes with the math and the sciences. But I was like too stubborn to really uh, accept that, you know, I just wasn't prepared. And so uh, during this time, I, I was very, very involved in, in the Latino community on campus. And so the, the, the closest thing I, I think that, that kept me on track to want to graduate was just the fact that there was a a group of uh, like a community that kind of supported me and uh, that community was an organization called alma which is assisting latinos to maximize achievement Um, but behind all of this i i was continue to party pretty much smoke drink all that stuff and just kind of really just separated myself completely from god Wow, Ricardo, I, I, I really, I think a lot of your listeners right now resonate, uh, I know I do, from my past as well. And, and how did you come to encounter Christ? How did it turn? Yeah, so it, it happened through 
probably one of the most difficult parts in my life. So around 2015, um, as a result of bad grades, the party scene, I ended up developing something called psychosis, which for those who don't know what that is, um, it's similar to, to schizophrenia where you get paranoid, you get anxious, you hear voices. Um, and so at this time, you know, just, just think about it. You're mixing alcohol, you're mixing drugs, you're mixing, uh, you know, a, a kid from Southwest Detroit who, who really wants to be somebody in life, but like has no relationship with God whatsoever. Uh, it came, there came a point in my life when I realized that God does exist. Um, but at that point, my, my, my understanding of who Jesus was, was very like not correct. And in the back of my mind, I was like, well, God does exist. And based on everything that I've done with my life so far, I'm not in good relationship with him. And so uh, it, it was a very dark period in my life because that paranoia and that anxiety of feeling like I was in a bad relationship with God really kind of messed with me mentally. Um, and I was going in and out of psychiatric hospitals because of it. Um, but eventually, uh, it was, I think, January, February, it was early 2016. Um, I finally, you know, I, this was like the third time I had just gotten out of a psychiatric hospital. I was like, you know what, I think, I think there needs to be a change in, in my life. And uh, I remember one time I was at the University of Michigan um, having lunch or, or dinner or whatever. And I was just, you know, just eating my food. And then uh, a group of guys just approached me uh, and they were like, hey, would you, would you like to do a survey? We have these questions. And, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm just trying to eat my food. I'm really not trying to help, you know, do this survey because uh, for those that don't know, uh, usually this would be a place where people who have like an exam or a project just ask random people for to participate in their surveys. But I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll do you guys the favor. But the favor uh, flipped because they were actually a group of holy guys who, who were talking to me about God. And so they, they, um, they were the, the group of people who really introduced me to, to Jesus and, and to the church. Um, and so the, the organization that they were actually a part of is um, this organization called Crew which is a, a Christian organization. And so for like the next couple of weeks and months, uh, they would just invite me to some Bible study. And, you know, just every now and then just talk to me about Jesus, about uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit, about, you know, salvation. But in the back of my mind, something just still didn't click. So I, I would like hear them tell me and show me the Bible verses about how Jesus, you know, came and, and he died for me and he he forgives me. But something just, I just couldn't accept that. And it wasn't until one of my aunts, um, shout out to my aunt, Maria. Uh, she just had a, a baby. She just had a baby not too long ago. Um, she invited me to the Jornadas retreat. Um, and this had been like the, the second or third time that she had invited me. And every year I would just be like, you know what? No, that's that's boring. That's that's for those weird Christian kids, you know. <laughs> but uh, 
this time I was finally like, you know what? I, I think I need this. I definitely need this. And so I went and it was amazing. It was like one of the most beautiful things I have ever gone through. And that's where I really encountered the the love of God and where I experienced uh, his forgiveness. And so this was in, in 2016. And ever since then, I've just, you know, continued to to follow Christ as much as I can. Ricardo, can you tell us a little bit more about what happened at the retreat? Did they have confession, adoration, small group sharing? Like what, what were some of the experiences on that retreat that really helped with that, that encounter? I don't, I don't want to ruin the retreat for anybody that goes, but it, it follows a, a very a simple format where they give you a, a talk um, and it, it, it's all based on uh, you know the the teachings of the church, and it builds up to to this final talk about you know who you are, who you are in God's eyes, and what your mission is. And and once I, I found out what my mission was, uh, I just kind of felt super pumped to to uh, to go. And so it, it, the retreat itself is four days. Um, so you we usually go on a Thursday. And and we come back, uh, we close it off with a mass at St. Anne's uh, on Sunday. And usually this was post-COVID. There's like, you know, 15, 20 uh, young adults who are living the retreat with you. And then there's a group of, you know, maybe five to 10 people who, who are serving the retreat. And so the great thing about this, uh, this retreat, the Jornadas, is that it's it's uh, youth driven, so it's it's uh, youth evangelizing youth, and so you know when when you hear the stories of of other young adults who have passed through through similar things as you, it just kind of uh, it, it encourages you, and I, I think that looking back, it was it was never really like one specific talk that you know, was like, it, it was like a switch. It was more so uh, the whole experience overall. And um, I think that there's, e- even when, when I got to serve that retreat uh, a year or two ago, I experienced a different type of, of joy that I had not originally felt when I lived it. And and that joy felt, I, I would say, twice as, as good as when I originally lived it myself. Ricardo, this is awesome. This is powerful. Jesus said, it, you know, the truth, when he says, if you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And you have so vulnerably shared that, it, you know, the struggles in the past of drinking, partying and whatnot, and how that led to a state of, you know, being unwell in your mind, you know, and, and the, I, I really appreciate your vulnerability, and I know that there's people listening that they may have struggled with that mental unwellness themselves or are praying for family members right now. And grace is substantial. It truly can change us, you know, flowing from God's presence into ours. And I just would love to dig a little deeper and have you describe what happened in your mind when you came to, you know, those guys from crew came and led you in this journey with Christ. And what happened in your mind is Jesus Christ, his truth, 
was setting you free? How did that affect your mindset? How you looked at yourself, how you looked at the world? And it's brought you into like a whole new way of living. Clearly, like the truth of Jesus has set you free. Just take us a little deeper into like what happened in the way that you thought and the way that you looked at things. I think that before, you know, really understanding or having understanding of the love of God, it was really kind of difficult to to accept that love just because, I don't know, uh, it just felt like it, it didn't click for some reason. The fact that there's a God that that loves me and that regardless of, of whatever I did with my life, he could forgive me. It just took a, a long time to accept. And so uh, nothing bad about, you know, crew, you know, they, they're, th- those guys, I love them because they brought me to Christ, but there was always something missing. And what it was missing was that, that Catholic truth to uh, the gospel. And so I think that if, um, I think the hardest thing for me at the time to accept, like I said, was that, that God forgave me. Like for some reason, I was just like, you know what? I, 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 perhaps Jesus did exist. You know, maybe he did. And I think maybe he did forgive a lot of people. But what I did with my life was so bad that there's there's no way that he could save me. Like I am beyond being redeemed, which, you know, looking back, it, it, it was uh, a, bit, a bit selfish of me because it, it's like saying, you know what, the what what Jesus did on the cross was amazing, but it wasn't enough. And that's not a truth. That's, that's not true. What Jesus did brought salvation to everybody regardless of, of what you do or what you did with your life, there is absolutely nothing that you could do. And I think that uh, as time passed, I began to realize the, the importance of, of prayer, uh, specifically um, rosaries. So I, looking back, I think that uh, part of the reason I was able to successfully um, you know, transition back into quote unquote a normal life because at this time I, I began taking medication. I began to uh, talk to a therapist and all of this. But I think part of the reason my life didn't go downhill after you know all those frequent visits to uh, psychiatric hospitals was because there were people who were praying for me, people who who not only family members, but also people that I personally didn't even know. And so one of the, the beautiful things about Jornadas is that there are people that are praying for the people that are living the retreat. So they, they would offer a mass, they would, uh, they would offer, um, you know, not watching TV for a day, they would offer rosaries, they would do all of this prayer for someone else. And I think that that's one of the beautiful things about Jornadas as well, is that, you know, there's there's a group of people who are dedicating so much time for another person. And I think, uh, you know, that like I said, prayer is just amazing. And, and as time passed on, I my prayer life only began to improve um, to, you know, and I'm always trying to improve as well. Ricardo, what was it like you've mentioned um, how powerful it was for prayer for people praying for you and others who are on that retreat, but 
can you share um, what it was like in, in your encounter with Christ to to start praying, to start talking to God again? Um, how did that feel, and what are what was the journey like to go from that to, to being able to feel more comfortable with prayer and to keep praying now? Originally, I, I really didn't understand how prayer worked. And so back then, you know, maybe I would pray. This was before coming to know God. I, I would pray maybe once a year or maybe once every now and then before I went to sleep. Uh, but even then, it was just very superficial or it wasn't very like a, a relationship. Um, but as time, in, you know, passed on, I began to realize that that Jesus like, is someone that I could see as, as a brother, as someone who cares for me, as someone that I could rely on. And, and uh, more recently, I, I began um, really having a, a devotion to Our Lady and seeing her as, as a mother, as someone who, who, who loves me. And so, you know, when, once you realize that, you know, God, uh, the Jesus, Our Lady, the saints, they all genuinely care about you, it becomes so, so much easier to pray because it's no longer just, you know, a, a, a prayer of just saying words. It becomes a, a prayer of you being vulnerable with someone who cares about you. And so more recently, I, I think my prayer life has, has changed a bit um, just because I, I used to be... Um, I used to have the habit of, of praying a daily rosary. Um, and with the Cafe Con Santos podcast, we have a community on Facebook where where every day we would pray a rosary. Um, but about a month ago, I, I had COVID. And so my health began to get a little bit worse. So I wasn't able to pray the the rosary. And, and for this whole time, that, that kind of bugged me because, you know, I, I prayed rosary because I, I love Our Lady. I love Jesus. And it's such a powerful prayer because it, you you get to meditate on pretty much the whole life of Jesus. And for some reason, not being able to have that moment with Our Lady and, and you know meditating on the Passion of Christ, it kind of hurt me, and it felt like I wasn't giving my my full self. But more recently, I've come to learn that you know, yes, I I can't pray like I used to. But that doesn't mean that my prayer can't be as good. And so more recently, my my prayers have, have just been a lot more silent, a lot more emotional, because although I, I may not be able to, you know, say a decade of the rosary, I do just have um, an image of Our Lady in my room where I, I just look at her. And it's it's an image of, our, our Lady of Perpetual Help. And so I'll, I'll take, you know, a moment of silence, just look at her, just just see the warmth in, in her eyes, and I'll see the, the baby Jesus that she's holding, and then I'll see uh, the, how she's, you know, grabbing his or touching his, his hand and just kind of letting him know that, that things are going to be okay. And so my, my prayer, like I said, my prayer life has been a lot more emotional now just because of of how things have gone and and I imagine for a lot of people through covid have gone but i think you know just it, it it's not it, it's something that's a blessing in itself as well 
Ricardo, you remind me of when Jesus said, come to me all you who are thirsty, and from within you will flow life-giving streams. I feel like uh, us listeners right now are just at the well drinking of God's love pouring out of you. It's, it's awesome. I'm on a retreat right now with you. This is great. And another, another verse that comes to mind is, you know, as you're sharing your story, I'm listening, and it reminds me of when, the, you know, in the prodigal son, when the father says that your brother was dead and he's come back to life. Like, you have been raised, man. You've been raised to life in Christ, and it is so apparently shining off of you. And I want to ask you, the, the, the coronavirus, and we're so glad to hear you doing better, brother. Um, that's been a recent stumble. When you came to life, when the Lord just raised you to this new life, and you were setting out in this new life as a, as a disciple of the Lord and growing in this relationship with God and, and the mother, mother Mary that you speak of so beautifully, were there any difficulties, any big challenges? Because we know that Satan, fallen angels, like um, they're just bugs on the windshield when Jesus comes mm-hmm. through, but they still cause interference, of course. When you set out to, to really give your life and follow Jesus, did you come across any like major challenges, any things that, that you had to keep persevering through with the Lord? I think the biggest thing has just been my mental health um, because I, I continue to, you know, to take medication and, and it's, it's helped, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the years. But throughout the year, there are just things that I cannot explain that happen that kind of freak me out in a way. There's always that, I feel like Satan, the enemy, is always there trying to make me doubt that Jesus truly died for me or that I am saved. And, you know, that that's very alarming when, when it happens. It, it doesn't last for too long. But like I said, there, there are moments where, you know, things happen in my life, um, weird things uh, that just affect my mental health, where I'm like, you know what, what if all of this isn't real? But fortunately, it's, it's only, it only lasts for like a moment. And, you know, I've, I've come to know God and Our Lady so much that I know that that's only temporary and that, you know, the, the moment will pass and that regardless of how bad things get, I have uh, a family that loves me. I have Jesus. I have Our Lady. And, you know, with, with them on my side, there's there's nothing that could beat me, which, you know, yeah. saying it out loud, it's so much easier because when it's, when you're going through it, like, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very difficult. And mm-hmm. sometimes I just tell myself, well, you know what, use whatever you're going through and offer it for, for the salvation of our, or for, for unrepentant souls so that they can also uh, come to know Christ. And so as difficult as it is, I know that there is uh, there's something good that comes out of all of that pain that I experience. That's such a beautiful witness, Ricardo. Um, just your your hope and just the way that you have maintained trust in the Lord even through all those difficulties is is so inspiring. Um, especially like to me in this moment, I think especially to people who've had a really hard year um, with the with the pandemic situation. It's just so um, just. Yeah, really encouraging to hear you say from personal experience that um, acknowledging those struggles that and um, just the evil that that we encounter in the world and 
the real struggle of sometimes doubting um, if you're not feeling it in that moment, God's love, but knowing through all that and just keeping the faith, keeping your, your eyes fixed on Jesus, even when you don't know if you can see him, um, the hope that, that we're not alone and that God will never abandon you. Um, so thanks so much for sharing that. Um, we know that, like Father Patrick mentioned, there's it's once you encounter the Lord, it's still a constant process of growth to grow in faith and to work on that relationship with Jesus. Um, how are you doing that these days through through the um, especially in the past year? How have you tried to stay um, connected to, and grow in faith um, through this particularly challenging year? I think back when when I had had an encounter with God. Uh, I still had to uh, learn to let go of a lot of things. So I lived in a in a house that uh, every Saturday we would have a party, and so we the jornadas group we would meet every Saturday uh, around 6 p.m. And so I would drive from Ann Arbor to Detroit, have like an hour or two of, you know, just learning about faith, learning about Jesus, learning about how to grow as a person, you know, have this awesome moment that could be considered holy. And then I would go back to an arbor to a house where there's parties, there's, you know, all the, (laughs) all the vices that you could think, um, think of. And so fortunately, you know, I was able to say, you know what, this stuff is, is not for me but the temptation was always there. And uh, there were still some things in, in the faith that I just didn't really, really understand. Um, like with the whole LGBT stuff, with with stuff about uh, sex before marriage, with abortion, there, there were a lot of things that it just didn't really click in. And it, it wasn't until, you know, once I really, uh, understood a little bit better about the faith and about the reason that we believe what we believe that I was like you know what this this is this is truth and and I want to be fighting on the right side um but as the years passed on I I kind of just I I grew by, by just naturally I'm a person that likes to improve on things and so I began to you know serve here serve in retreats I began to serve in the Hispanic Youth Conference, and I began doing catechism, and I began doing I began doing so many things, and I and I never let it make me feel arrogant because I knew that those were all gifts that God was giving me, and that you know I was offering back to Him. But this year, once you know we weren't able to do as much as we wanted to. So we were preparing for the next Jornadas retreat, but given the, the pandemic, we weren't able to to serve. And so the past year, the past couple of months have been challenging because I'm so used to giving and, and serving and doing, you know, all these activities that went, once I was placed in a situation where I couldn't do anything, any of that, I felt kind of weird. I, I wasn't used to not serving God, but I, I've come to learn that I'm I'm serving in, in a different way, and so now I think that I I really just began to appreciate the fact that um, this is a, a unique 
moment of you could call it purification or 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 a moment where God really wants me to depend more on him because like I said ever since I had COVID my health has just been uh it's been low and I I'm not able to pray as much as I I want to I'm not able to go to as many places and share the gospel like I used to I can still do it but I I, I've I I need to do it in a different way and so now I've really just been learning to to accept the fact that that we're in a, in a time where we can't do what we used to. And and I think it's interesting that I've been going through this during Lent, or not Lent, through, through Advent. Cause it's like, I'm a very impatient person, but this Advent has made me wait, has made me be patient and, and say, you know what, I can't do what I used to do. I, I'm struggling, but it's a reminder that I am always in need of a savior. And you know, I, I can't wait to for for Christmas just to celebrate the fact that that Jesus came he 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 brought us salvation and that I get to you know have have a relationship with me and as tedious uh, or as boring or as cuz I don't like to feel like I bother other people but this time is for me to to receive from others and and that's the biggest thing. I, I've just been learning to to have a disability in a way and to accept that that doesn't make me any less of a disciple. Amen, brother. Hey, you remind me, uh, Ricardo, in, in Eucharistic prayer too, there's a line in the Mass uh, that having held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you and harkens back to the Old Testament when King David would Higher, like he had, he had a fleet of musicians, and their task was to minister to the Lord. And uh, that idea of minister is to give. And so, of all the beautiful ministries, and I want to ask you about this in a second. But the beautiful ministries that the Lord has given you in this time where there's been a slowdown, um, what you described in your prayer life earlier, just the emotion of just turning to the Lord, gazing at Mary, and letting her show you Jesus, turning to the Lord, and really the idea is thoroughly scriptural of us ministering to the Lord, which another way to say it, I mean, that can sound like, what? How does God need my ministry to him? But another way to say it is, you know, he's made us for love and God delights in the love that we offer back to God. So to minister to the Lord is to just simply love him back. And why did you make me, God? I made you to live in a relationship of love with me, to paraphrase God. I wanted to ask you, Ricardo, you are active in ministry and and, uh, you've been very active with the, the podcast and Hornados and Coro Firazona, as I understand it as well. And, uh, you know, what what launched you? Like, you've been following the Lord, but what launched you into, into ministry, into serving in the various ministries? I don't know what exactly did it for me, but it was just, it's just been a journey. So Hornadas, when you translate it to Spanish, it's journey. And so... Mm-hmm. It's just been my walk with Christ. And so once I experienced the Jornadas retreat, I wanted to share that that love, that, that gift that I experienced with, with other people, specifically with young adults. And so I'm, I'm very passionate about the community in Southwest Detroit. I was born and raised here. And, and I see our, our young adults, how, they, how they're growing, how, how the society 
is raising them and and they're the society at least from how i see it is, is turning them away from god and mm. and that hurts me because you know i used to be on that that path that leads to destruction you know that path that is away from god and i want other people to know that that's not the right path you know and, and so as as i've come to experience retreats i think the most recent one or one of the most powerful ones that i experienced was with corazon puro over in new york so uh there's there's like a a group called corazon puro which which focuses on the teachings of john paul paul the the second's theology yeah. of the body uh and and on chastity and you know I, i think that's one of the things once i i, I came to love and and see the beauty and chastity i i just felt like you know i need to bring other young adults to this i need to bring everybody into this and it, theology of the body is just so easy or so um practical that you could apply it to pretty much any area of your life and so i i went to the corazon puro retreat last year i think it was around september for the first stage retreat which was amazing um and then there was a second stage retreat that happened uh i think it was october and it was also on chastity but on emotional chastity but this this retreat was uh, a silent retreat and so the the powerful thing and i i could i don't want to get too much into details because oh, this is this, awesome. this story this story in itself could be an hour long i had an encounter <laughs> with our lady like We got to hear it. It was go go. <laughs> Keep running. <laughs> so, oh man, I I think that in in the Jornadas retreat, you know, I I I came to know God and I love him. And the first day retreat in Corazon Puro, I came to wor- learn how to worship God. But in this next one, I I don't know I don't know how it happened because during the retreat, we had we hadn't even been talking about about our lady. We the topics at that point were about different uh subjects but there came a point in adoration uh in front of the the blessed sacrament where i i i i don't man like i said i i can't get into the details because it's it, i could take so long i i pretty much had a vision of our lady you know when when they put uh the blessed sacrament in front of me i had you know my eyes closed and and you know i i had a a vision of of a woman who was kneeling who who had like a light in her belly who was just smiling mm-hmm. and i looked at her and i was like who is this i like I, it didn't click in i i just looked at her and i was like this woman she when i look at her i i feel something warm i feel something beautiful and then an image came up of a crown. And so in the the first stage retreat um I had asked my mom once I finished it, why did you name me Ricardo? And she had said cuz Ricardo means king. And so at that moment I knew that that she was without saying words, using images, she was calling me Thank you, I I get <laughs> I get emotional you, every brother. time I <laughs> praise you Jesus. Thank you for your mother Mary. That's an amazing testimony. I I saw that image of the crown and immediately it clicked 
oh snap this is this is our lady and she just she was so warm she had i just felt so loved and then a second crown appeared but this time it was a, a crown of thorns mm. and so i mean i I still don't know. It's been a year and I still don't know what all of that meant. But I, I what at the time what I perceived it to be was saying that she's calling me son. She's saying that yes, I am Ricardo. I am a king. But my real kingship in a way or the real thing that's going to make me a king is to put on, you know, the the crown of thorns, to follow cross Christ, to to take on that cross and to follow him. And so it was a, a beautiful experience. Uh, later on, I, I found out uh, just scrolling through, through the Hornada's uh, Facebook profile pictures, I saw the image of what I had seen. And it was, um, is this photo called, uh, I don't know how you, how you say it in English, but it's Nuestra Señora de la Dulce Espera, where it's, uh, it's a painting where it's um, Our Lady, she's kneeling. Uh, the, the painting itself is like Our Lady of Guadalupe and you yeah. see her like by a mountain. It's a very beautiful photo. And I think, like I said, I don't know what, <laughs> I have no idea what all of that meant. And it, it might take a lifetime to really understand and appreciate it. But once I, I found and experienced that beauty, I just carried it on to to what I do right now, which is, uh, you know, stuff with the podcast, with, with the ministry, but also uh, as a legal advocate, helping mm. victims of domestic violence. Um, and so I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of went in different directions. That was wonderful, Ricardo. And just, I'm going to pitch it to Emily. I think she's got the next question, but I wanted to tell you that, uh, you know, the Archbishop, has written about uh, and unleash the gospel that martyrdom, um, you know, is the is the pattern. It's it's the model for discipleship to be all in for the Lord. And that idea of the Blessed Mother showing you a couple of crowns and that you do share in the kingship of Christ and your name, even you know, baptized priest, prophet, and king. But even your name, Ricardo, and that to be willing to bear the crown of thorns, to be conformed to Christ crucified, even um, that our own Archbishop tells us that is model of discipleship formation, like the pattern. I'm, I'm misquoting, I'm paraphrasing him, I hope. <laughs> Sorry, boss. So, <laughs> but yeah, that Ricardo, that is such a beautiful revelation that you had. Thank you, brother. Emily, what's on your mind? Yeah, Ricardo, I think that one of the things that just really has stood out in you sharing this testimony is um, your recognition that your own gift of faith and your knowing um, Jesus is a gift. It's a gift from God and it's, you know, the best gift um, that a person can receive. And I think that um, just hearing how that has changed your life, um, not just in that moment and, and for your own life, but the way you are, you know, giving witness to that through your words here on this podcast, or just even in the way you're living out your life in your community. It's just, it's great. I think it's a great example of, of unleashing the gospel through, through taking your own encounter with Jesus and witnessing it in the way you live your life and in the words that you share with others. So I just want to thank you for all the time you've spent with us uh, today to share that story. Um, we're, we're so grateful. And I guess I just would love to invite you any, any final words you'd like to share um, with our listeners about 
um, your story or about the way God has changed your life or um, maybe something that God's putting on your heart now to share with them for people who, wherever they are at in their faith journey, maybe people who have ex- similar experiences to yours? Yeah, I think two things. First, I, I just like to let anybody who who doubts their salvation know that they are not, uh, there's nothing you could have done in your life to have lost, you know, that, that salvation from Christ. You could have done a lot of harm to people. You could have sold your soul. You could have done the worst of the worst. Jesus Christ can redeem you. He will forgive you of, of your sins and, and, and you too can one day be in heaven. So that's the first. And then the second thing is, I think I struggled with this and every now and then I struggle with the idea of feeling, you know, the, the love of God and, and doubting or asking Jesus, do you, do you really love me? Why am I going through, through this difficult thing? And I think one small thing that you could do is to spend a minute just looking at a crucifix, seeing Jesus nailed on the cross and just taking in all the the pain that he went through, meditating on his passion and realize that he would not have done that if he didn't love you. And so if you're listening to this, Jesus loves you beyond anything that you could comprehend. You are loved. You are a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter. And there is life. And and you can have life. And and you can also join the saints in heaven. (laughs) Ricardo, you have just preached the gospel beautifully. And and I just want to give people an opportunity to respond to that. And Revelation chapter 19, verse 10 tells us that the witness to Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we witness, when we give testimony like you have given to what Jesus has done, it prophesies what he will do again because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so for every listener out there, I want to invite you to respond. It's either for yourself or for somebody else. If you yourself or anybody you know of experiences like unworthiness, a sense of unworthiness, that there's stuff, I go to confession, but there's some stuff I don't confess because I don't know if he can... Or if you confessed and you're like, I don't know if he's really forgiven me of that. Any sense of unworthiness for yourself or anybody else you know that, that wrestles with that. I just want to invite you to put a hand on your heart. And also for anyone who struggles with any, any uh, mental unwellness, either for you or for somebody you know. In the Catholic faith, we have proxies where if a godfather can't make it to the baptism, someone shows up and is a proxy. They stand in their place. And it's a beautiful thing. So just put a hand on your heart. Any sense of unworthiness for you or somebody else any struggle with doubts, any, uh, any mental unwellness, just put a hand on your heart for a second. And uh, Ricardo, I'm just going to ask you to say a prayer for everybody out there that, who's heard your testimony, that what Jesus did for you, he'd do it again for those with a hungry heart right now for it. It's all you, Ricardo. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for allowing me to share my testimony through this podcast. I thank you for all the listeners, and I pray for them, for everybody who's who's going through a, a really difficult time, perhaps someone that has lost a family member, perhaps someone who, who themselves is 
struggling with with mental health, Lord, I, I ask that you heal them, that you let them know that that they are not alone, that you you have a plan for them. Please also let them know that while it may be difficult to understand why things are happening, to never forget that with you, we cannot lose, we cannot fail. And I ask that you bring peace to their hearts. Dios te salve, María. Llena eres de gracia, el Señor es contigo. Bendita eres entre todas las mujeres y bendito es el fruto de tu vientre, Jesús. Santa María, Madre de Dios, ruega, Señora, por nosotros los pecadores, ahora y en la hora de nuestra muerte. Amén. En el nombre del Padre, del Hijo, del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Amen. That was powerful. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you so much, Ricardo. And thank you, Father Patrick. I want to thank our listeners for listening to Open Door Policy today. You can subscribe and find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.